Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yay! This is the last recording of the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast happening here in 2022. Yes, yeah. sir. Can you believe it? It feels like we just began in January 2022. We've only just begun to record all of these things. We are very good singers. I am Greg Tito. That is Shelly Mazzanoble, the best singer out of the Not two of us. The Carpenters, as many of you probably thought for a minute because like, of wait, how great we were singing. Is that Karen Carpenter herself? It must be. And her wasn't that her brother? I think so. I think they were brothers, The Carpenter, right? yeah. They were brother and sister, much yeah. like Drunky and Daryl Two Shoes. Just, see, that's why uh, people put the, the Carpenters and you and I together very often. <laughs> we're like a pairing mix that is always there. Absolutely. Ready to go. Um, it has been such a great year talking to so many wonderful people. Our book was published this year, which is even Yay! wilder. I know. Um, if you haven't picked it up, please check it out. It is at your local bookstore, available through online retailers. And there's an audiobook coming. We will be able to tell you all about that when it is available very soon. I had a dream about recording the audiobook again. You did? Yeah. Yeah? Was it frantic? Was it like, oh my God. No, it was because it was like an enjoyable, lovely dream, just like recording the audiobook was in real life. Just like recording every Dragon Talk with you, Shelley. Oh, and you too, Greg. And, and this e- this episode is no exception. It's true. Um, I also just wanted to give a shout out to Secretary of State for Washington State, Steve Hobbs. Yes. He invited me to come be the master of ceremonies at his swearing-in ceremony. I mean... At the state capitol in Olympia. How... Not a lot of people. Mind-bogglingly strange as our lives that that was a real sentence that I just said. I, I, not a lot of people can say that. In fact, nobody but you can say that. It's Literally true. no one. I, I'm the only one. Uh, and he is uh, very gracious about being uh, a, a D&D fan and a big nerd. And I just love that he gets to do that on that stage in front of people who know nothing about D&D or, or, or any fantasy thing, uh, but they all are curious now because of Steve. Which did he make D&D references in his speech? He did not necessarily like drop like fireball, you know, when he did I hope he, he didn't drop a fireball. In this room, I'm going <laughs> to drop a fireball. No, he didn't go specific. It was more general, uh, the fact that he was uh, uh, addressing the, you know, that he loves uh, nerd culture and everything about it. And, uh, you know, give me Aww. a little shout out in his in his speech of uh, being on our podcast and being a part of it. So that was really cool. He, wait, he gave Dragon Talk a shout out? Yeah. Did he, he did. actually like name drop Dragon Talk? I think he said Dragon Talk. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What Was Jay Inslee there? <laughs> Jay Inslee was not there. No, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Too bad. Anyway, it's just funny that. It, the, uh, Dragon Talk is getting around the political circles. Yep, talking it up to everyone uh, out there, uh, as well as working with, uh, hopefully in the future, the state librarians to bring uh, the history of the state. I didn't realize that was like a, one of the duties, <laughs> and it's a big duty, of the Secretary <laughs> of State office is to um, you know kind of educate and uh, teach everyone about what's going on with the state. So. They want to do that as well as uh, stocking the libraries for the state prisons. Uh, and so there's going to be some more some more donations of perhaps 
fun gaming materials uh, in those in those contexts, which is really kind of exciting. Amazing. Bringing it. Yeah. To the people. To the perhaps people. Our, perhaps our book will, will be making the rounds. It's true. It's true. I have a, uh, Shelly signed a copy for Steve. We'll be sending it to him too. So, hey, Steve, thank you for listening. You're a wonderful uh, fan of Dungeons and Dragons and me and Shelly. And we really appreciate it. We really do. I, gosh, I hope he really likes his essay. Because now I feel like he's in a lot of a position of great power. And if he doesn't like it... <laughs> He's like, can I cut it out? No. What's going to happen to me? He said he loved it. He said he skipped ahead and read his, his section. Oh, he, he has read it? Yeah, he did. He loved oh, okay. it. okay. He loved it. Nothing but wonderful things to say. Oh, um, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah, that, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story that has a good ending. That's good. Yes. Wonderful. Well, we have a wonderful guest for you here. We are going to talk to Sam with two M's, Sam Spearman, uh, about her work in storytelling and through the streaming show Strix U, uh, which we've talked to um, uh, Lexi, uh, otherwise known as Black Girl Mage, about starting that up around um, the TRPG space. But we also, before we get to talk with Sam with two M's, we have just Dan Dillon. Dan Dillon with two L's. And one N. And one N. Uh, to t- learn us all about draconians. Yeah. Evil. 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 Everyone, let's welcome back Dan Dillon to meet your monsters. Yay, Dan Hello. Dillon! Hello. I love Dan Dillon. Hi, I love you yeah. too, Joe. That's not me. That's our audience. Oh, sorry. I love you, I mean, audience. I do love you. You're the best. Dan Dillon. Realize Animal from the Muppets was in the audience, but that's yeah, so great. huge fan. Animal, big fan. Ah, 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 ah. Dylan, Dylan, Dungeon <laughs> <Agent> Master. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we love having you back for this segment, which is all about uh, introducing monsters from Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition and how you can use them at your table. And today, Dan, we are going to talk about something that is extremely important for those of you running. Dragonlance Shadow of the Dragon Queen at home, which is Draconians. Draconians, yes. Very important for uh, for running our Dragonlance games uh, set in or after the War of the Lance. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. What, what, what are Draconians? Are, I guess we should yeah, just start there. Yeah, yeah. and how, there. I mean, I think the biggest thing for probably new fans uh, or, or fans of 5th edition coming new to Dragonlance would be how they are different from Dragonborn and uh, and what that means. So, yeah, let's... Right. What? What's so the, dig in. Yeah. So I mean, their origins are completely different, right? Dragonborn are uh, humanoid peoples that are descended way back from dragons, and they're their own, you know, their their own species, their own thing. Draconians are created creatures. They are creatures that are created from the eggs of dragons through mystical, magical, divine, or arcane processes that use all kinds of weirdness, depending on you know how deep you want to dig into the the specifics of it and so uh, a dragon egg can be used to hatch and create some number of draconians and depending on the type of dragon egg used you get a different kind of draconian so they are almost like experiments yes yes very much so yeah yeah um and they they were were focused oh sorry go ahead 
I was just going to say they were the focused on in the uh, setting of Kryn because they yeah. were the, the the bulk of the dragon armies that were being used by Tachesis. Yeah, that was uh, that that was sort of their origin into the D and D multiverse was uh, was in the Dragonlance setting, uh, and they were the creations of the followers of Tachesis, the Dragon Queen. Uh, they were kind of a collaboration between Tachesis's uh, clerics and uh, black robed mages who sort of worked together along with some other weird stuff. And they experimented and finally hit on this formula where they could use the eggs of specifically metallic dragons, the good dragons, and they would corrupt those eggs and turn them into draconians. And depending on how powerful the draconian, meaning, you know, how powerful the egg was they started with based on its color, its its metal type, uh, you would get maybe a horde of draconians out of one egg for some of the weaker ones or one Ooh. or two for the most, the most powerful. Wow. Yeah. And they are presented in fifth edition in Fisbin's uh, treasury, treasury of dragons. Yep. Fisbin's treasury of dragons. Yeah. That's the first place we touched on them in fifth edition. Um, and it, it's worth noting that we have now recently revisited them in shadow of the dragon queen for Dragonlands. But they are slightly different depending on which book you're looking in. And, you know, they, they serve uh, a slightly different purposes. The ones from Dragonlance are very much what you may know and love from the novels if you read them. They are created by the forces of evil, you know, by corrupting the eggs of good dragons. They are very much bad news, <laughs> horrible monsters, and created through a pretty horrible process. It's, it's just rough. The ones from Fisbins are a little bit broader and less kind of setting and story locked to that origin. So the ones in Fisbins can actually be created uh, from any kind of dragon egg. Um, so good, uh, the, sorry, the uh, metallic, the chromatic, or even the gem dragons. Uh, you can create Ooh. draconians out of uh, out of any of those kinds. So um, how does one get a dragon egg? Well, oh. uh, <laughs> I mean... Stealing it is if if your That's purposes are nefarious to use it as a reagent in an experiment to create servitor monstrosities. Chances this, are that the dragon isn't going to want to give that up willingly, right? And it in, seems in like the Dragonlance setting, those eggs were kind of uh, taken hostage by the mm. forces of the Dragon Queen, and those were used to force the metallic dragons to not get involved. And then, of course, the forces of wickedness being duplicitous as they are, they broke their word and used the dragon eggs anyway. Oh, it's heartbreaking. That's not nice. Very gross. It's very gross. uh, Beyond how the adventure Shadow the Dragon Queen uses them in storytelling, how would a dungeon master like yourself uh, want to use draconians in their game? Yeah, sure. So Draconians are cool because you have a wide array of sort of challenge levels that they can hit and different capabilities that they have. Um, So they range all the way from the challenge rating one half sort of, uh, I think in Fisbins we call them foot soldiers. Let me double check my time. Draconian foot soldiers is what we call them. (laughs) Draconian foot soldiers. So that's your kind of lowest rung. They're challenge rating one half. Um, and they're pretty straightforward, very easy to run. Uh, they just have some attacks, uh, and they, uh, the way they get interesting is that every kind of draconian has a death throws ability where if they're destroyed, if they're reduced to zero hit points, something happens, something dramatic, (laughs) something (laughs) Uh, happens. 
Yeah, in the case of the foot soldier, um, their body turns to stone and releases this gas that will petrify anyone near them. Yeah. So uh, it, it is sometimes even more dangerous to kill a draconian uh, <laughs> than it is to, uh, you know, to, to let them keep doing what they're doing, depending. That's what happens to me after I eat a lot of cheese. You so, turn to stone. Turn to stone and release again. Petrifies Get everyone around. <laughs> <laughs> They're scared. They're scared. Yeah. I I like, well, yeah, so they, they, they can be used as these kind of uh, foot soldiers, but with this interesting twist of like yeah. once you defeat them, Something bad's going to happen, so you have to prepare. And they're different for each type of draconian. Yeah, yeah. every every yeah every kind of draconian has a different sort of death row, and uh, it it does create such an interesting complication where it adds a new layer to an encounter. And uh, especially if you don't know that's going to happen yet, and this is how you discover that this is a thing. You run into these weird uh, reptilian sort of stunted wing having soldiers and you fight them and they're fearsome and you slay one and it turns to stone and your barbarian gets petrified. Now you still got, you know, three more to fight. What do you do now? (laughs) (laughs) So it's about figuring out ways to almost like in a tactics game, like how do we push the thing away or do the final Mm -hmm. blow at range? Sounds yeah, like you, you need to, your wizard involved. There you go. Yeah, do you want to hit him at range? Do you want to make sure you keep your meleeers out of the way and yes. try not to deal that that final uh that final blow that will uh that will make you have to deal with that? Uh or do you want to subdue them without killing them? Because mm. if you don't drop them to zero hit points, you don't trigger their death throws. So maybe you can say grapple them or use magic that will hold them in place or wall them off. You know, you can start thinking about it in, in interesting ways. What if you're fighting a draconian that's going to explode and there's a bunch of innocent bystanders or townsfolk nearby. Now you can't really kill that thing or else you're going to risk, you know, all of these, uh, all of this collateral damage. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, hopefully there's like a lava pit or something nearby. You can just push them in. Just kick them right down. And yeah, if you're not fighting on a volcano or you're even playing D&D. <laughs> <laughs> fighting a draconian on a ledge of above a lava field. What are you even doing? Heck yes. Uh, that's amazing. So yeah, no, I love that because it does add that weird tactical flavor to each battle when you're fighting yeah. these creatures. Um, if you were a dungeon master running it for someone, obviously you have that nice, ah, I got you because they blew up at the end. But then how how would you, I wouldn't say necessarily telegraph, but how do you, how would you give hints or information to savvier players uh, of, of what's to come so that they don't feel completely blindsided, but feel like they have some, some, some tactical skin in the game? Sure. Uh, well, so one way you could do that is you could uh, have them come across, say, the aftermath of a previous battle with Draconians, mm. where there are some, you know, some some soldiers have been killed, and then there's this weird statue of this draconic person-looking body, and it's you know frozen in the moment of of battle and pain and all of that. So it's very you know kind of obviously like that's a weird statue, right? It gives you that this is a petrified creature vibe. But then maybe, you know, you could arrange other bodies. Maybe someone is stabbing it and the sword is still stuck in the in the stone body. And the soldier who is doing the stabbing has this sort of confused look on their face. And they are also <laughs> petrified. You know, you could you could drop you, you, you could set that up and then that will pay off later when they fight one and watch this happen before their eyes. And then, oh, that, oh, that's what we saw that, at the, the roadside battlefield. Look. OK. I like that. Um, Show evidence. How yeah. how likely uh, would I? Like, okay, I I guess I just want to 
make sure that should I ever encounter one of these, like I'll know what it is. Like how how likely, how common are they for? I mean, that's that's going to kind of depend. Um, if we're talking about in Dragonlance, sort of, they were as as we said earlier, they're a created uh, sort of class of beings. And so there was a point where they just didn't exist and now they do. So the only people who are seeing them are the ones who face them in battle for the very first time. So Mm -hmm. word will spread, but it's going to spread very, very slowly. Um, yeah, or at least it's not hard. Until it's hard to talk when you're petrified. You're turned to stone or blown up, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> covered in acid. All those things. Um, yeah, so you you might not right. It might be you like the the setting is this is maybe the first time anyone in this area has ever seen or heard of these things. And that's kind of the setup in Shadow of the Dragon Queen Mm. where you have the chance to encounter some draconians early and it's like you see some tracks and they don't look like anything you've ever seen before. You're really not sure what to make of them. You know, they're they're adult person-sized but kind of reptilian-looking. None of this makes sense. And you just kind of have to figure it out from there. Uh, alternatively, say you're using maybe the Fizbins version that are a little more prevalent in whatever world the DM is building. Uh, that could be the sort of thing that anyone who has extensive knowledge of, say, dragons or draconic magic or, um, you know, maybe a, a draconic sorcerer could have some sort of in, mm. innate sort of instinctive understanding of, oh, this is a dragon-related creature, even if I don't really know what it is. I have right. this sort of feelings of familiarity and power coming from you know you you could you could have some fun with it uh that's a great way to leverage characters backgrounds their backstories and uh what skills they're proficient in you know you could have that be a simple matter of you know make me an arcana check and depending on how well you do maybe you've heard of them maybe you've seen one of these in in a wizard's you know notebook or laboratory that sort of thing Hmm. are they as intelligent as dragons uh, hmm. not as intelligent as dragons in general. No, I, I think they're more along the lines of they sort of run the range of people intelligence. Hmm. Um, dragon, you know, dragons can get pretty high up there in in the uh, the ability score department. But yes, these are these are sapient thinking creatures. Um, I think the lowest one clocks in somewhere around intelligence eight. So all all people intelligence they can they can all speak. Um. Yeah, and they have, depending on what version and story you're using, they kind of have a varying amount of sort of self-determination or free will. The ones created for the dragon armies in Shadow of the Dragon Queen, for instance, are really little more than monsters. While they are intelligent, they are created with this purpose and sort of filled with the Dragon Queen's will, and that's really all they know. Um, They don't, you know, they're, they're not really a society having people unto themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where I was going with that question. I was trying to figure out how to use those in ways that uh, there's, there was almost always a, a someone pulling the strings, right? Sure. They're, they're mm-hmm. not the big bad. They're the mooks of the big bad. Yeah, they can be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the ones that we presented in Fizbins, these can be um, uh, a, a little bit more... Uh, free-willed, a little bit more on kind of the the people sort of aspect of things than than more monster. 
um, which is the ones that we're presenting in, in Shadow with the Dragon Queen. Um, you, you, like, what if you had, uh, for instance, draconians that were created kind of consensually with the dragons who who offered up their eggs for for some reason to to help this happen? Maybe there was a maybe there was a, a good cause. They were trying to find the solution to a magical plague that was ravaging dragonkind, and this was sort of the result of that that, that kind oh, of. Oh, that's thing. interesting. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And and then maybe they could be you know allies of the dragons who created them or you know and that way you can approach them almost like warforged or something like that where they were yeah. created but they have uh, sentience and and free will to to do yeah. what they they want after that creation point absolutely yeah what if they came across their parents could their parents talk some sense into them. Like you that could once... be an interesting that that would be an interesting way to play it. That you could have maybe a brood of draconians who meet the dragon who you know who, who egg, laid the egg, egg. Yes. <laughs> that that created them. Uh, that could be interesting. That that would be a fun way to maybe lever taking some that were kind of more in that monster sort of category, but then breaking them out of it. Yeah, and kind of reform uh-huh. it, reforging their connection with something other than that animating will that created them for for some specific purpose that's outside of themselves. How would you oh. role play uh, a single draconian or like a group of draconians? How how would how would you uh, use them in a way that doesn't just feel like oh these are monsters to blow up? Uh, that depends. Uh, it depends on the kind. Uh, as we said, you know, there's sort of a different, there's kind of a power level hierarchy of them. They also have sort of different personality, uh, different um, capabilities that sort of can inform their personalities. Some are very soldiery. Others are sneaky, infiltratory types. Uh, they'd be, they could be much more subtle. And, you you know, you can have subtle in a sort of nefarious cutthroat way that makes them assassiny, Or they could be subtle in sort of, a, you know, good-natured rogue or Robin Hoodish way, you <laughs> you could you could have some fun with those. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are innately magical. Um, they're sort of almost sorceress in their ability to wield mm-hmm. magic. So you could even have some that are uh, studious, uh, wizardly or sorceress types themselves where they're doing magical research. And uh, maybe trying to understand their own origins or trying to unlock secrets of creating yet new forms of life through magic and experimentation. That's neat. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Have a have a you know an Orac uh, or a um, Draconian mastermind, depending on which version you're using, uh, in a tower somewhere. That's that's sort of experimenting on various things to see if it can create uh, a, a new life form. Um, can you talk about the? I don't know how to pronounce it. Sivak. How do you C-back. say Yeah, C-back. sure. The the Sivak Draconians. They sound like maybe. The worst of the bunch? <laughs> uh, they're they're pretty rough. Uh, so Sivak Draconians are what you would call them in the Dragonlance world, and they're created from the eggs of silver dragons. I think they're the second most powerful Draconian below the Oryx that come okay. from the gold dragon. Sivaks are big, uh, like l- capital L large-sized big, mm. and they have fully formed wings so they can actually fly. A lot of the smaller Draconians have sort of lesser wings and can't really fly but can kind of slow their falls or glide. Sivaks can full-on fly. Um, they are brutal combatants. They have some really uh, really tough physical attacks, uh, and they also have the ability to, if they kill someone, they can take on their appearance so they have this cool um, 
sort of not not like a sneaky rogue type infiltrator, but almost like a doppelganger like quality where mm-hmm. they can take someone out and then take their place and get into, you know, behind enemy lines or where they're not supposed to be. That's a story right there. That is right. That is, like what yeah. if you're the party <clears throat> had an NPC that they were fond of friends mm-hmm. with and you didn't tell them that that NPC was killed mm-hmm. and now they're yeah. back as this doppelganger and you're just hanging out with this evil creature or what if it was like your best friend and then you have to see it in it in knowing that like you're just messing with me like i i have to just see this this horrible monster taking on the image of oh, there's so much you can do there it's terrible oh, yeah. yeah there's a lot of fun with that uh this might slip kind of into spoilery territory for uh, a shadow of the dragon queen but there is a cool point that i want to kind of make with the Sivak. So I'm glad you brought them up in uh, when you're in the city of Calaman at one point later in the adventure uh, and they, you know, the dragon army is, is approaching They're They're not here yet, but you know, they're coming uh, some uh, security concerns start to get heightened. And so some of the soldiers are wanting to lock down the gates and not let refugees in because what if, agents of the dragon army are amongst them. Mm. And you kind of have, if you run this encounter, your party can decide whether they want to convince the soldiers to let the the refugees in, or if they think that, you know, that's actually a valid concern and they turn the refugees away who have to go find somewhere else to be. One thing that I think could be cool is if you wanted to, to play up, Hey, you know, these soldiers kind of have a point or there is this danger because these creatures exist. Maybe if the party, convinces the soldiers to keep the gates open and let people in. Some of those are Sivaks. And then later during the siege or around it, they have to deal with, oh, that farmer that they helped get inside. Well, he just turned into a big dragon thing and now he's opening the gate so more bad guys can get in uh, you know, as the battle is raging. And so then they have to deal with that consequence. You know? That's a terrible wrinkle. What a... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good slash awful dungeon master you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So fun. I love that. And I love how it's like a jumping off point of knowing more about these these monsters that that, uh, people can use in this adventure or or, or not, right? I think that's that's the the whole goal of of talking about these these creatures. Um, So I like that they have different personalities based on their their whatever metallic uh, or different, you know, capabilities that might inform their personalities as you put it so so well. Mm Um, what 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 is one aspect? How how would you say like say an orac? Uh, how would they uh, yeah. portray themselves? So uh, orac draconians are the most powerful of the draconian hierarchy, um, made from gold dragons. If you're using the Fizbin's version, they're called draconian masterminds, and they can be made mm. also from red or uh, amethyst gem dragon eggs. Um, so they are, uh, they're a little bit haughty. They're a little bit, um, you know, they, they've, they've drunk some of their own Kool-Aid so that they, <laughs> they know they're kind of top of the pecking order here. Um, and so you could have them, you could really play up that arrogant leader angle. They are the generally the most intelligent, the, uh, the sharpest minded of their draconian fellows. Uh, so that's sort of the easy way to go, especially if you're dealing with Oryx, who are, you know, evil extensions of of the Dragon Queen. Um, they could be, you know, brutal commanders and really just sort of seeing everyone below them as pawns to be moved on the board for their benefit. Uh, and then, you know, you could you could change that up. You could have someone uh, you could have a draconian who 
uses their greater understanding to you know maybe begin to empathize with the uh, the people that they're the the people or you know they they might run regular soldiers as well or the other draconians the the sort of lesser um, for lack of a better word right now uh, draconians under their command. Um, maybe they really start to care about what happens and they don't want to see their, uh, their, their sort of subordinates thrown away as cannon fodder or pawns. I love anything that has a cast system because yeah. players inevitably want to destroy that cast system somehow. <laughs> yeah. Right? So setting that up, it, so having a, a draconian who's like, hey, I'm a part of the system, but I want to tear it down just as much as you do, that could be an interesting story too of like having yeah. uh, uh, one of the... Uh, helpful and NPCs be one of these these draconians. Um, yeah, and if, appears- if you want to lean into that whole sort of starting off with the one way and then sort of widening it out and being like, okay, maybe it doesn't actually have to be just this way. That's a great lever to do that. You know, these these people are sort of trying to break out of the the strict lane that they have been placed into. Right, not even really born into. They were created, so they were placed there, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, and then appearance-wise, they still have the colors of the metallic dragons as their scales, right? And so that's a disconnect yeah. for many uh, people in mentoring them who might think of these paragons of good having silver or, or or gold scales, but nope. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So when you run across these things, you know, the, the lowliest little Boz draconian, they're made from uh, brass dragon eggs. So they have that sort of brass coloration, maybe a little greenish on them, that sort of thing. So they are, re- if, if someone is familiar with dragons, they might make that immediate connection. Like, oh, this look, kind of looks like a copper dragon. Copper dragons are, you know, usually playful and, and good natured. And why is this stabbing me? with a paralytic dagger yeah. in my ribs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the fun ensues. Oh, yeah. Then we then we subvert those expectations in just the worst way. Excellent. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, as expected, this was an entertaining uh, bit of talking about Draconians with you, Dan Dillon. Uh, how can people get involved and want to ask you some more stories about these monsters or anything else with, uh, with D&D? Uh, the easiest way to get hold of me is probably on Twitter uh, at... Dan underscore Dylan underscore one. For now, as Twitter for now exists. for the time being. <laughs> I, we have to add that caveat forever now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In <laughs> the future, that may not be may not be valid anymore. We shall see. It's true, uh, but I can't wait for more D and D fans to play around with uh, with draconians and how they might use them in their game. I love all these ways of subverting the cast system and all that. So. Yeah, there's so much you can do with these. And, uh, you know, even just starting with the, hey, these are made from dragon eggs, like you could riff and iterate on that completely. You know, like, uh, you know, take the old Greek myth of sow the dragon's teeth and the soldiers spring up. What if you get draconians instead of, you know, <laughs> skeletons or gladiators? Yeah. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Inspiring. All right, well, thanks so much, Dan. Thank you very Evil. much. Thank you, Dan. Always thrilled to be here. Yay. You bring the best monsters. I don't want to run into a draconian. I don't want to run into them either. No likey, no likey. They have that terrible thing of like, oh, yay, we vanquished the bad guy. Oh, no, it's going to be bad for us. I mean, just just die, 
right? Like, do you have to just pop With back up and be all like, oh, no, look, I'm you. Oh, oh, oh look at me. Oh, I'm you. <laughs> uh, no, you're petrified. You're made uh, of stone. Because some of them uh, can mimic the person who killed them. I know. Which is like, I don't, in the, as they scream in agony, do you want that? Do you want to see yourself reflected screaming in agony? Not usually. Get the hell out of here, draconians. <laughs> Beat feet. Get out. Man, and their rules are always so strict. Yeah. Sorry, that was an English major joke. <laughs> <laughs> the rules are so draconian. Ah, I get it now. <laughs> As a theater major, it took me a little while. <laughs> one day, one day, you'll one get all day, my stupid one jokes. One day, one day. Uh, but now we get to hang out with Sam with two M. So let's give a little listen. <laughs> let's welcome Sam Spearman to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Woo! <laughs> that studio not, audience is going crazy. Not just any Sam. Sam with two M's. Sam. Yeah. So absolutely glad you glad you brought the the double M's today. You know, it just makes it distinct. There's a lot of Sams out there. There is. <laughs> yes. And it's even like a the cool double M last is name. A Monster Manual. Yes. Yeah. Right? You got that going on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yes. And then the unit that I used to play in Civilization, the Spearman, uh, always right? uh, really, really good first unit for you. That's hilarious. I did not know that was a thing. And now <laughs> my last name feels even more legit. Thanks, Dad. Even <laughs> cooler. <laughs> Very exciting. Yes. So yeah, you're doing uh, lots of uh, Dungeons and Dragons role playing on the lines, uh, as they <laughs> say. Working with Strix, you uh, Black Girl Mage. We've been so wonderful uh, having her on and hearing uh, from her cast, uh, all that stuff. So yeah, you helped you helped develop that. Is that right? Uh, yeah, actually, um, it's kind of funny. Uh, so. I went to a historically black college and university, uh, at least for the first half of my undergrad year. And um, it was very, I don't want to say different because it wasn't, it was just like very, it was a, a cool time to be grounded in life at that point in time. Mm. And um, so I got a great ton of experience just living life over there. And when Lexi was like, you know, I want to do, uh, like an all black uh, led actual play uh, using Strixhaven. I was like, you know, that would be really awesome. It should be like set in an HBCU. I used to go to one. And she was like, Sam, that's perfect. Mm. Um, and uh, from there, it just took off and 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 went wild. So um, especially now we're starting to record uh, our first season a lot of my experiences uh, that I uh, got firsthand uh, at Clark Atlanta, uh, where I went to school at, um, Mm -hmm. is getting a chance to like be a little fleshed out and like shown uh, in the upcoming season. And I am so proud of it. I can't wait. It's so much great. It's so great. (laughs) I love that. I love bringing, you know, lived experiences to 
uh, any type of, of of role playing game, but especially like the idea of of, of Strixhaven and and a magical college. Uh, that's so fun. So how yeah, how are you blending some of some of those experiences, or or you know what 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 things did you have at uh, uh, Clark's Atlanta? You said yeah, Clark Atlanta. Yeah, Clark Atlanta, um, that you're bringing to Strix U because that that's so cool. Yeah, it uh, it was really a, a a center of community. The school was very proud of its history um, and the alumni that have come from the school, uh, like brief little history, like Clark Atlanta University was not originally known as Clark Atlanta. It was actually two separate colleges, mm. Clark College and Atlanta University. Um, and then like in the late 80s, they combined together to become Clark Atlanta. Um, but there's like a, a lot of like notable uh, Black American figures that have went to Clark College or Atlanta University, like W.E.B. Du Bois. Oh, wow. and, um, uh, um, and in that center of where it's at, there's um, two other historically Black colleges, uh, Spelman College and Morehouse College, which is mm. the college that Martin Luther King graduated from. Um, so it's very much centered on this community that is very rich in culture and influence and in history and that being celebrated, which is something that I really wanted to um, to explore. And just like the pride that we as a people have just in general from establishing these universities and stuff like that for us uh, that comes around it. So like homecoming is really, really, really big deal. <laughs> um, and it's always something really, really fun. So I'm getting to add a bunch of that in there um, and just bringing back a lot of college memories, which is so That's fun. So fun. So I get to play with that again. But now this time, instead of it just being like me by myself, it's me, but I have really cool druidic powers and can wild shape into all types of wild animals and cast all types of cool spells, which is even better. <laughs> College would have been such a different experience if we so could have gone as different. our d characters. <laughs> so different. I would have wild shaped and snuck into all of my professor's classes right before the exams. They get the yes. tests. Like, Smart. They would have put you mm-hmm. under secret probation if you did that. Absolutely. I would have used my burning hands to like light up a garbage can fire or something before an exam just to like Mm -hmm. make the fire alarms go off. And oh, oh, sorry, we can't do this test now. Sorry. There's a wild elk that just ran into the classroom. (laughs) What is this? Well, you're you're playing at a magical university. Are the students doing this? Because they should be. Honestly, I didn't think about it, but now, yeah, it's going to happen. Now it has to. It has to happen. It has to happen. And I, I hope when you said homecoming is a really big deal, that made me think like that is a great setting for some weird D&D stuff to go down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, All it's right. a lot of fun. It's a yes. lot of fun. Oh, that's so great. I love Strixhaven too. I love the idea of being at a magical university. And that book had so many fun little things in there like getting a job or having relationships and are are you guys playing around with with that stuff too so the fun thing about it is is 
While we're using the Strixhaven setting and some of the NPCs, Lexi has done quite a bit of homebrewing to make it yeah. different. Um, and it we don't really follow what's happening in the book. Uh, Lexi just had this idea and is kind of like using the setting and a couple different NPCs um, and tailoring them to the story that he's trying to do and um just running with it so yeah while well, you see some very notable Strixhaven NPCs in the game they're not the same as they are in the book they're mm, they're a little flavored a little different which is yeah. always fun totally gotta make it your own yeah that's awesome. what every dungeon master does right they, yeah they, they take right. the material or or in some ways create the material but yeah it's uh super interesting too uh to um get this idea like like that you were the genesis of this that you were like oh yeah it should be you know a historically <laughs> black college as as the basis of a magical college I, I love that idea uh so much so when when did you start playing uh Dungeons Dragons what was what was your your origin story of getting that together before we oh, even get man. to to this idea That's so funny so i consider myself very, very new to tabletop in general. Um, I only started playing last year, like in maybe like August of 2021, I think. Um, so I'm very new to the space. Like I've never played Dungeons and Dragons or any type of tabletop game previously to that. Um, so, so I'm what just kind of like, going what, what, was, what, what was your impetus for, for, for trying so, it? I have a friend in Australia. Her name's Alex. We met on a Discord channel. We were a friend. We met on Discord channel that was set up because we were fans of another television show. And a friend of ours made a Discord channel. And we all got to meet and like just hang out and talk and stuff like that. And Alex is a, a DM. And I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for, for years. And we got on the topic of it. I don't remember if it was like Stranger Things or just something in general to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I was like, you know, I kind of always wanted to play. But when I went to go try to play, I looked at the player handbook and it was so thick. I was like, Mm-mm, I'm not doing yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, I can't. This is this is this is a lot. There looks like there's a bunch of math in here. I am not a math person at all. Um, yeah, no thanks. And she was just like, oh, well, yeah, that is kind of daunting, but I can kind of help you through it. And um, she helped me through building a character sheet and like the basic core mechanics. Um, and then she was like, we were supposed to play a game, but that never actually happened. So in the meantime, I was like, well, this is awesome. I want to play. I want to learn. Like, I want to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to, I want to do this. And she was like, oh, well, you know, until we can get our game started, blah, 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 blah. Here are like some actual plays that you can watch. It's genuinely just people sitting around the table playing this game uh, together. Now they are kind of long um, and she's a real big critter. Um, so she was like, uh, well, Critical Role is pretty daunting. Um, they're long episodes and they're like a hundred plus, they're long episodes and like a hundred plus episodes in a season that might seem a bit much, but they're doing a kind of offhand one shot that's set in the world that's run by this really awesome, uh, black woman DM by the name of Abria Iyengar. Sam, I think you would really be, you would 
really like her. I think you would probably like this. Just watch this. And it was Exandria Unlimited. It was like maybe like two or three episodes into it at that point in time. And she was like, you know, just watch this. See if you're into him or not. And, you know, and you can kind of also... This is normally what I point people to, to like learn the mechanics of the game if they're not actually getting hands-on playing. And so I was like, okay. And then I got about halfway through the first episode of Exandria Unlimited and I was like, more. (laughs) (laughs) And it just kind of took off uh, from there. So I really uh, credit Alex with introducing me into the world of tabletop and just Dungeons and Dragons in general, as well as also introducing me to Abrea Iyengar. So mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, she's the best, like Alex is the best person in my book. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That's great. That's yeah. how I started and just started playing more games uh, from that. What was your first character? What did you make with her uh, that day? Ah, uh, the first character I ever made was an Oath of vengeance paladin um and i never actually ever got a chance to play that iteration of that character i've played some more of them since then but that was the first character that i ever made the first character i played was a cleric and i died like in the second oh no the second (laughs) session like by a kobold it was level one and i was like this is Oh no. And I was playing another <laughs> I was playing like another edition of D&D at that time too. Like it wasn't 5E. Oh. It was like that it's like BECMI like that mix that's like right between like like 3.5 or something like that and something and I was like I don't know if this is for me and my friend was like try 5E. 5E is a bit more streamlined. You might like that a bit more. And uh I ended up playing a Circle of the Moon druid, uh, a half-elf, and I absolutely fell in love with the druid class, and it's still Mm -hmm. my favorite to this day. Uh, And yeah, and that was my first campaign character, uh, was my my little druid, Utala. (laughs) Utala. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What drew you to the cleric at first? I'm curious. Um, or the paladin, I guess. The paladin was your first, right? Yeah, the paladin was my first. I think I always like to think of myself as somebody who I always like playing like those supporting characters, the ones that help uplift um, and protect uh, mm-hmm. and just like all around doing good. Um that's my that's my favorite thing. That's my like my favorite thing to do. I love playing like those supporting characters. And I love spellcasters. Uh I've always loved magic. So that is that was kind of what kind of like drew me to it was like, oh, here's this this is an entire like subclass that's like built on vengeance and revenge for like the wrongdoing of other people and and getting retribution for that. Hell yeah, yes. sign me up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sign me up. That sounds awesome. That's the awesome. type of fantasy we all want. So. That's the, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, this sounds awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. Awesome. But then it sounds like you found this druid, which I, I uh, you know, I, my daughter's favorite class is a druid too because there's just so Great many taste. things you can do, right? <laughs> Great taste. Mostly she I just wants them. to be an animal. She just wants to turn yeah, into an who animal. who doesn't? Honestly, I just, 
I think there's something so inherently powerful in nature that gets overlooked continuously. Mm-hmm. And nature is one of those beasts that you cannot tame no matter how hard you try, you know? And I love I love that. I love that idea of like, here is a being that is so innately attuned to nature that they can manipulate it to their will and even become it if they want to. And how much of a force to reckon with (laughs) uh, that can be. Um, And it just, I love it so much. I love control the weather, right? Literally. And that's what I love about um, my Strix U character is they're also uh, a druid, but they're an mm. earth genasi. And they're Ooh, cool. how I have uh, them set up is their entire family. Uh, I just said, you know, to hell with how genasis and regular lore are made. My entire lineage are all different genasis. Like my whole family are all different elements. And I just was like, that's like... How much chaos can I inflict in Lexi's world as a master of nature, but is also primarily at their core an element as well? In what ways that can make any type of problem? And it's yeah, they're a they're they're that's a beast right there. That's I love fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so I can cool. control the earth. Literally. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> That's amazing. So wait, so you also are a screenwriter? Is that yeah? Yeah, actually. Uh that's what I went to school for. Nice. Uh my bachelor is in film and video production, minor in theater. Um, more of a yeah. concentration in screenwriting and writing. Exactly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um Same. and uh I just I love books. I loved reading. I loved writing and I loved movies and television growing up. Um, So that was kind of like my way of encompassing all of the things that I loved and was passionate about and like tying it into something that I can study further in college. Uh, I see the through line there. It's all storytelling. I know. That's what I'm getting at. All storytelling. You were meant to find your way. Literally. What, how does that come into play with D&D? Like, do, are, is, your, is it like your screenwriter brain is kind of working to tell the story? Or how Absolutely. does that work? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I have anyone who's ever played with me could definitely let you know that I am a story first type of person. Um, I am more passionate about the story that's being told with this table than mechanics, than anything else i think this is a really cool way to storytell and that's always consistently in the back of my mind is like in what ways can my character itself move this plot forward in what ways can my character figure out what's going on what can i do how can i help what will what type of growth can this person make realistically uh, within these circumstances and how can that be and and how can what they're doing be influenced in the way that makes them change as is. Um, I always have that in the back of my mind whenever I'm telling a story. I'm always like, yeah, it would be fun, but, or I don't know, 
but you know, this would actually make a really cool pivot in the story. Or this would be a really cool way to call back and show growth that the character is going through. Uh, I love a good character arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always have, always will. So yeah, that's always been at the the, the forefront of my characters whenever I could step into a new game or a new table it's a lot of a lot of dms and gms will be like okay well like what do you want to play and my answer is normally like what do you what type of story are you trying to tell like what what are you what do you want to do with this story and i can craft a character that fits into that narrative to help push it forward uh i want my character to be as useful to the story that the DM themselves are telling, just opposed as to just as opposed to my character itself. Uh, so I'm always looking for ways to exploit that story point. <laughs> that's so interesting because it I is. feel like that's an aspect of D and D role play that sometimes gets glossed over. Is mm-hmm. is not just how is your character going to get more powerful over time? Because that's always a change that occurs in D and D games. But the story, character growth type of thing, no, I mean, there are those flaws and, 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 and uh, uh, bonds and things that you can put in your, your character sheet. But I don't think enough of us, myself included, really think about, like, what's the, what's the growth? Like, what is this character's arc The arc, yeah. Beyond, that's what stood out to me, too. I'm going to get more powerful mm-hmm. and I'm going to get this magic item and then maybe kill the big bad at the end. Like, what's what's the lesson? What's the, that's the, cool, the right, moral? Exactly. That, and thinking about that when you're creating the character, mm-hmm. like, I've never done that before, but it makes so much sense now. Oh, oh, thanks. I yeah. appreciate right. that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Because um, so much of our thing, just think about like, oh, what spells am I going to get? Or what feet am I going to get? Like right. less, think, less thinking about like, what is the it, yeah. what is the moral of my character's story? Or like, who oh, am I right now? Like at this moment, this is my character. Here's a little bit about where I've come from. But I never mm-hmm. really do think about like the growth I want that character to have. Yeah. It's very it, interesting. It's, it's easy. It's it's super. It's super easy. And I mean, I do it all the time too. You know, you like build a character sheet. Here's a class that you've been really wanting to play for a while. Here's this awesome character build, and you can just drop them into the story. You know, and there's no problem with that. I've done that quite a few times. I do it a lot actually. Um, but when I'm doing something that's supposed to be a bit more withstanding, where there's more than one episode, or it's like a prospect of this may possibly go further. Um, I kind of like to get uh, my DM's input on what it is that they're trying to do and what their their what's what's the theme of their story. What are they what are they trying to to tell? And then everything about my character is crafted specifically from that to the spells they use, to wow. the way they dress, to the way they talk. Um, all of that is kind of, and from there, I'm kind of able to being like, okay, so now that I know what's going on in the story and I have this character that's tuned to this story, what is this character's needs and what do they want? Like, what do they want right now? And then what's the stuff that they need that they don't know that they actually need as of yet? And how can we find that? Yeah in this story going forward. And that's always the fun part for me is like, once you get there, like character creation is, is a lot of fun. Yeah. But when you can really utilize that character 
all the way out throughout the story, just down to like the nooks and crannies and fine tunes of it. That is for me where the excitement lies. That's when the story gets really interesting. Cause it's like, ooh, what is this? What is this like this druid going to do in this instance? Like, what is gonna happen? Um, I was playing in a charity stream last night where we were kind of at a crossroads and we were like, okay, so we can either run headfirst into this danger or we can do something else. And I was like scrolling through my character sheet and I was like, wait, I have something that can help with this. I was like, huh. wait a minute, hold on, disguise self. Okay, so now I'm I was like, now I'm the actual person that we just killed that needs to get into this place. I look just like them. Now nobody's going to suspect that this person is dead now. We can get whatever we need from this house <laughs> in here just as so, as long as, you know, the dice are in my favor. And luckily enough, the dice were in my favor that night. So, nice. uh, yeah. I love, so it was, I love being it was, able to use spells yeah. in, in creative ways like that where... You know, obviously this guy's self is pretty much that's what it's for, but like you rarely right. get to use it when you're like, oh, this is exactly. the perfect application yeah. for this spell. And I was like, and it was just fun because then I was like, me, Sam, the player, completely forgot that I had even picked that spell. But in game, <laughs> my character was like, oh, I always forget I can do this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, so it, it, and it, once again, helps push the story and plot moving forward. Uh, so that's always the the fun bananas for me. It's always Definitely. good having a player that's the instigator too, like someone who's thinking about yes. what the next scene is. Because I've been in, I've DM'd groups before where the people are just like, mm, I don't know, what's, what's going on next? What's the next monster? Right. But if you have a player yep. who's like pushing it forward, you're always got something to react to, which is the heart of all storytelling. Yeah. Now I'm wondering if there's a difference in like different like writers of different genres or mediums like a, a, does a screenwriter have a different approach to storytelling in D&D than like a novel writer or a short story writer or a memoir writer how do these different because you're like the way you're talking about the storytelling in D&D is like very much how a screenwriter would talk about writing a movie and like with like the cinematic moments and like always think you don't you don't get a lot of gratuitous narrative in a screenplay like your words have to do everything mm-hmm. like you because you don't have the, the narrative flavor in there to be like and then the nighttime air felt like this on her cheek no like exactly she, exactly yeah. so i'm wondering a lot now of showing, like, not telling yes like how would a novelist approach the storytelling part of D is it different i want to see monologues. a table Right. You know, just that's really interesting because over, uh, over my time when I was in college and uh, studying and then like just outside of college, just like trying to fine tune my craft more, trying to, I'm like a sponge trying to like soak up all of this new information and different ways to do things. And I've taken quite a few writing courses. Um and I think the one thing that I realize is probably the most prevalent throughout them is that storytelling at its core is pretty cut and dry, like across the board. Like, you know, there's 
this there's a setup and the inciting incident and then you know like the midpoint climax and then like the fall from grace what happens next after that how can we move forward xyz like all stories have that through line of up and down up and down and how complex that story is is how things like break branch off and stuff like that um i've i've realized more than anything else or at least my understanding of it is that it while the medium is different, and like you were saying, uh, you know, with the novel, you have all of this extra space to describe smells and and mm-hmm. um and you know what things look like and how it feels to kind of like naturally put yourself into it. Um, with screenwriting, you can't really do that. You kind of just have to like, here's the bare bones like skeleton of what this story is. And it's kind of like up to the director and the producers and stuff like that to kind of like make that their own vision of a vision of reality and bring it to life. But all storytelling still follows that same through line of needs and wants and those growth of character uh, within itself. Like how many times have we, seen the hero's journey right Mm -hmm. that's been that that crosses mediums continuously and that formula is still the same from luke skywalker to like harry potter to you know i'm saying like all these hero journeys are essentially the same thing it's just what you do with them yeah yeah and i think all authors uh whether they're screenwriters or TV writers or novelists or uh, people creating um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons actual plays, they all just torture their characters. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically really what it is. Giving them 100%. situations that are really hard and mm-hmm. what do they do with it? Yeah. Like every, every, every character has what's called a, a character wound, right? There's something that happened to them in their backstory that makes them who they are in the opening of this scene where you see them. And maybe the first like five or 10 minutes or introduction into an actual play, or you're just meeting them on camera for the first time. But these are, even though they're fictional characters in universe, they're still fully realized people. So there should, there's always something that's like haunting them in the back of their mind that they're trying to like run from or not willing to accept. Um, And outside of some other certain instances, uh, where the main character is already the fully realized person and everyone around them is the ones that are changing, as mm-hmm. opposed to the opposite side, where it's the main character that's the one doing the changing. It's still really the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's 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 still that 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 through line of either being affected by what happened in your past to where you are slowly changing throughout the story in the future, or you've already done the changing and you've already done that changing that's necessary. And you inflict that change on all of the other people around you in the setting that needs to do that changing. Uh, But that wound is still there. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what a good instigator does, even though they will often uh, do things that are to their own detriment. At least it pushes the character's, against something right you're pushing them against a challenge whether it is a a welcome challenge or not um i i just love that idea well so what advice might you give 
uh, folks who want to think about their characters in these terms a little bit differently, like that, you know, how do we get beyond just thinking about like, oh, I'm a half-elf druid and I can cast uh, 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 Control Weather. Like, you know, oh, what are, what are some of those flaws? And, and I, I, I'm asking this because I think 5th Edition did a good job of putting those kind of character kind of choices in on the character sheet, but not everybody uses them. And especially when you're using like a quick character, oh, I'm just going to play tonight. Like not everybody thinks about like what my fatal flaw is, like what, what, is, what is my hero's journey going to be? So yeah, yeah. What, what, what advice might you give to people to try to use some of that stuff to give their DMs, uh, uh, you know, the ability to, to, to create growth for these characters? Honestly, I would, as someone who's an avid consumer of the media that they love and they study, I say watch as much <laughs> as possible. Uh, read as much as possible these types of stories that you you want to tell and you get interested in. Because uh, a lot of it, especially when I was still kind of like learning, and I mean, I still actually do this to this day, is I... A lot of the characters that I create are based off of characters from media that I genuinely enjoy. Uh, and I kind of am like, hmm, well, what if this person was a character in D&D? What would their class be? Like, what would they huh, yeah. what would they do? You know, like um, I am in some home games that I'm playing in. Um, I that we just started. Uh, I built a character that's kind of uh, like Michonne from The Walking Dead. Um, she's real badass, like a monster with a sword, does crazy, crazy damage. Um, and then in another one is more um, like Omar from The Wire. So mm. he's like, uh, uh, what was it? A mastermind rogue and a gunslinger fighter so it's like and 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 i i kind of i kind of do it like that like find a character that you really really like think of them in terms of D D and build that character you know you don't have to follow them to the t but pick out the things that you think are really interesting about them and would translate well into DD mechanics and utilize that and expound upon them i think that's probably the easiest way to do that and then after a while you'll after a while of doing that me personally how my brain works is i started to look at every character i built like that <laughs> like that afterwards without even having to have like a character point of reference in general. Sometimes those characters, sometimes the characters that you build like freehand like that still end up turning out to be like a character that you have seen in the past that you didn't really think of until like you actually thought back on it. Um, <laughs> You're like, oh, wait a but, second. I just made yeah. Peter Vakeman from the Ghostbusters. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, yeah. Um, and you don't necessarily think about it like that until you look at it. But I think that's the easiest way to to go about that you can cater your character from that point on to whatever story you know that the dm is, is trying to tell and you can kind of like and from those bits and pieces kind of work backwards and go through it that way that's how i see it and i think that's yeah just watch as much 
media or listen to or read as much media as possible uh, for the time being. I love that because then this means all the TV watching and book reading that I'm doing is for a purpose. It's for D&D. It's for it's D&D. literally for a purpose, 100%. <laughs> That's how I've always looked at it. It's not procrastination at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. That's productive. Yeah. Um, so what about dungeon mastering? Any interest? I would love to at some point in time. I honestly, I'm very daunted by, like, I feel like very daunting. I hear that. Uh, um, and I, I'm also the type of person where I love to get as much experience playing the game as possible before I actively take on trying to run the game itself. Um, so yeah, at some point I absolutely, some point probably I'm going to try soon. Um, in in some instance, for sure. I definitely want to, uh, DM that's for sure on my radar. Um, but sounds like you have enough experience. I think just light life experience. Yeah, right. Just bring little, all those books and movies right and screenwriting there. techniques to you bear. Know, I can write a story, but when it comes into like the mechanics of like bringing in NPCs and other bad guys to fight and balancing, I kind of I always say this. I kind of like a DM mentor mm. that kind of mm. like, like co- shows me co DMing. Yeah, that kind of just like shows me like the more intro. Like I can tell a story and pull one out my butt like that's not a problem (laughs) and just keep going as we're going along but for anything that's like withstanding with stakes or like anything to like really fight with that's like not rp heavy because i can run an rp heavy real easy and we won't touch dice at all but some people don't necessarily like that so um yeah i definitely want to get a little bit more understanding in that aspect before um i start raining chaos on my friends but the chaos is so it sounds so fun That's i know it does sound so fun i often pull things out of my butt very the, easily all, and then all, nobody yeah. knows that they're that they're butt stories <laughs> all but one of my butt stories <laughs> where'd that's you get so this story funny. greg <laughs> Oh God, that's hilarious! Yeah, it's all about it's all oh about confidence. Gosh. It's all about knowing they don't. They think you spend you know forever crafting that wonderful story until you tell them the secret later on. Yeah, like actually, no. I literally you said that one thing, and I was like, hey, I can run with that. It yeah. did, and I um, did. Yeah, and it feels like part of the the lived world that you were all you know meticulously crafting. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. About collaborative storytelling, let me tell you, gets me every time. I love it. What if there was an exercise in DMing where the dungeon master, like the the goal was you couldn't do any prep. You couldn't do, you, and you really didn't, you shouldn't know that much at all about rules at all. Like you just go into it as a storyteller and you're going to be as surprised as the players are by what happens. Would, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm feeling free and... Like, it sounds like a reality and, television competition, right? But like, honestly, your secret right. ingredient yeah. is a cobalt. I know. Yeah, like what if it's like Iron Chef? Literally. Like you just have to have a cobalt and something it's set green on the sun. 
Go. <laughs> That's it. But you shouldn't really cobalt even know. And two mimics. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to worry about balance. You don't have to worry about like, is this a perception check or an insight check? You just just roll whatever whatever you feel like. Then I, I, like I, I is this a good idea or a terrible? Would it work? It would work, I, right? It's just complete improv for everybody. I love it because that. Complete improv sounds like complete and utter chaos. Yeah. And I love that because I play with some pretty chaotic people on the day-to-day basis. And I know that it would just be bonkers, just like letting them loose and just in in general, in any type of like free form setting would just be like opening the floodgates. And I'm into it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm into it. That sounds fun. I'm into it too. Yeah, is, there, uh, is there such a thing as too much chaos in the game? I'm no. asking that because I do, I love the idea of rolling tables and doing things and like just kind of going off the cuff. But I wonder if those are fun because there's an established through line, right? Like so that when it deviates, that's what makes it funny and interesting. I don't know. What do you think? Mm. There's only one way to find I'm out. Like, it's <laughs> like, like yeah. the, no- the novelty would wear off quickly because... There's just chaos everywhere. That like, seems yeah. like such a... That can either be one of two things. That could either, A, turn into a TPK real quick, mm-hmm. or <laughs> that could turn into like a six-hour session. <laughs> yeah. Both of those sound fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here for either. You know what? I was thinking about it. I was like, oh. yeah, I, I would be on board with either one of those scenarios. Yeah, 100%. All right. Wild okay. magic sorcerers. Uh, oh, I love an entire wild party. magic. Let's do it. <laughs> love wild magic. Except it's, they don't just roll on the wild soul. magic. They roll on uh, uh, like a wand of wonder. Um, oh yeah. Table each time they, they cast. Yeah, that's <gasps> the thing. Like wild magic table. Like they should just roll no matter what. Like you don't because right. like I've never actually even gotten to roll on the wild magic table as a wild magic sorcerer. It doesn't come up often. It's really it's only when you do like a crit, right? Is that why? Yeah, it was like some very significant moment that never seems to happen for me. <laughs> Sometimes and, the dice just be stingy like that, right? They They're don't... like, no, 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 you can't handle the chaos. <laughs> we came it's here like, for well, wacky. What if I could? <laughs> but this is just but this is just I a normal could? fireball. okay so let's imagine that you are going you are a dungeon master what do you like what types of stories do you think are going to come out of you what do you what do you gravitate towards um i have always been a big fan of mysteries oh Uh, uh like one of my favorite like board games of all time is Clue. I oh, love a who I classic. love a who done it. Yeah, yeah, like always have. I love a good mystery. Um, for even though I'm not super super heavy in politics, I love a political intrigue mm. too. Uh, a political mystery or something like that. Um, I'm a big fan of history as well. So like. Uh, Alternate realities, historical fiction, something along the lines of that, I think. Um, and I'm also a really big sucker for, like, romance. Um, I love comedy, but I don't really think I'm that funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. So I don't I do. know, or, like, personally, or, I don't know, I, like, I don't know if I can, like, 
purposely be funny. Mm. I just think like my expressions and like the way I react to things sometimes makes me funny. But if I had to like go do like a stand up where I'm supposed to purposely be funny for like 45 minutes, um, they would uh, like boo me off like the Apollo. So I'm like, uh, yes, definitely something, uh, definitely something along the lines of that. I love a good whodunit. I love a good find stuff out. That opening and peeling of layers of things to to find out. And it just kind of like leads the story to go so many different places. Uh, And because I am that type of storyteller, that's another reason why I think DMing is a little bit daunting to me. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because the way those ones will take more planning mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, and absolutely planting of seeds and especially for a mystery you can yeah. run a, a pre a pub a published adventure and add your own yeah. into it that actually yeah mm. no that is definitely something i've uh been looking into as of recently as well especially when i've uh been thinking about trying to uh dm as well has been like looking at some already pre-written adventures and seeing how it starts up, how mm-hmm. like what the what like that uh, scale of like roles will get you in certain instances and what you come across and where to place things, stuff like that. Um, that would yeah, that's that's been super 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 helpful to me in that instance. So yeah, that definitely would be something that would absolutely be a resource that I would use for sure in that instance. Yeah, yeah you don't I just, have to take it all on yourself. Yeah, let let the let the pre-published stuff do the heavy lifting and you add the flavor and the fun. I love that. I'm good for that. I'm good for a little extra seasoning on the back end. I'm yeah, good for that. Yeah, season it up. <laughs> I I just really loved listening to you talk about storytelling and you know the oh, way wow. that the way that you yeah, approach it as a character. That's why I'm being pushy about like no, oh, really. No, Have you it. thought about Dungeon Master? <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the good word of the Dungeon Have Master? Have you heard it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like usually the last person to push because I'm so afraid of Dungeon Mastering. But I just really think it's, I think it's in you. I'm sorry. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. That means yeah. a lot. Well, I mean, and then you have the the characters that you were mentioning uh, earlier of Michonne and Omar, and then of course mm-hmm. everything that's going on with uh, Strix. You being like, like I think there is so much more um, uh, like excitement around people bringing their backgrounds to the storytelling, especially in Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah, it just makes I I, I love a, a character that feels so real even in a fictional setting. Um, That is absolutely probably my favorite thing in the world about this. Sorry, my computer was getting ready to lock on me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was like, no, keep the lights on. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I really, 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 really enjoy. I think it's really, it's, it's, Something about a character that feels real to touch. Like, mm. it, I mean, obviously it's a fictional character, but just like a, it grounds me a lot more in the story if I have a better sense of feeling of, like, the more back work I put into the prepping of a character, the easier it is for 
me to navigate that character through any type of setting in any story. I know what type of moves that character would make, what they wouldn't make, what they would say, what they wouldn't. Um, And that's like kind of a, a big gripe with some television that I see on like now and I'm a TV snob. I know that I'm a movie snob too. I understand that I hold it and wear the badge with honor. (laughs) Um, But I hate a flat character. I hate it. I can't like, there's no growth that can happen from them. It's just very stationary. And in a game where stationary isn't really the best, yeah. Like you kind of want your character to 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 grow, because like if you have a flat character and your character starts at level five and by the end of the campaign they're level sixteen and they're still the same person that they were at level five, you failed. I'm still an orphan who was <laughs> found under right. Uh, you know, uh, right? Like I uh, I just auspicious. I don't I I I cannot stand that. Yeah. So I need a character to to be fleshed out and real and the only way that I can adequately and truly represent that is by taking the lived experiences of myself of people that I know people that I care about people that I've come across and in life um taking those bits and pieces and pushing them into a character it's the only thing that makes sense to me. That's just how my brain functions. Yeah, yeah. And I think so. For so long, fantasy had not included uh, people who came from your background, from everywhere, and and it's so wonderful to see. Oh, that I can tell a story that it means something, you know, specifically to to people who went to historically black colleges and and and, and felt that, and like that will feel authentic to them, and then. You know, the the goal, of course, is that they get inspired and want to be able to, oh, I can tell my own stories, too, and this is how I'm going to be able to do it. And that cycle continues, just like Abria's uh, uh, storytelling inspired you. Yeah, That's literally, honestly, my one true goal in that aspect is, yes, historically, fantasy has very exclusively... Um, omitted characters of color or if there are they've been highly stereo like stereotype like stereotypical and not really they were the just, flat characters you know that you yeah you know and and um it's really important to me to put that out there so that somebody else can feel the the like just the sense of being seen that I did the first time I ever saw Bria. Like that was really powerful for me because for so long I felt like I was like I never really played like tabletop, but I loved sci-fi and superheroes and all of the stuff that's considered nerdy <laughs> growing up with quotations around that. Um <laughs> And I was so used to having to find things that I matched with in other characters that did not look like me, didn't have the same life experiences that I did. So seeing that out there was a huge eye-opener for me as a tabletop performer to being like, not only, wow, I can do this, but I'm not alone. You know, that was the, that was the, that was the biggest thing in the world for me. So if 
I can be that eye opener for anybody else that I did my job. I've done my part, you know, into making this space so much brighter and so much more full, yeah. you know, because yeah. the world's not a monolith. There's so many different types of people all over. It's not fair to solely focus on one subset group of people, especially when there's so many rich stories and cultures across the world that are rhymed for fantasy settings. Totally. You know, like it just, it it seems like a disservice. You want to see yourself reflected in the media that you consume. Yeah. Everybody wants that. And that's what's so really uh, heartening about the community, the D&D community right now, is because there's so many, I think, people who are having that, like, Spider-Man meme thought of, like, oh, wait, you like this, too? Oh, you like that, too? Yes. I can't believe it. You like this, too? And then there's this, this coming together. It's so great. I met so many great people in this space just from that alone, being like, did we just, did we just become best friends? <laughs> yes! <laughs> You know, like I'm, it's 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 so great. I would have never even co- I would have never crossed paths with Lexi or any of the people that I now consider genuinely family. Yeah. To me now, we spend so much time together. At this point in time, I can't imagine my career without them. At this point in time, like that's just how intrinsically tied I feel with this group of people that genuinely are I don't want to say reflections of me because that seems (laughs) kind of like self-centered but just like we all have the same common thing in common and people really lose sight of how having commonalities with other people can really bring together and center right. a community that's and that's what dope as hell to me. can do yeah. it, can, it, it yeah. and it provides that empathy to be like all right even though and this is what i enjoy about it because coming from a different community of being like oh what there's there's these connections being made at a D table from people from all types of different backgrounds just like their characters in the in the adventuring party are doing like they're oh you came from that culture you came from that culture and this is how we're going to solve problems together and i feel like that's like a metaphor for life right now it's like mm-hmm. oh, society is coming together and everyone's being like hey we're there's a lot more that unites us than uh than we think mm-hmm. exactly exactly it's so fun. that's really well, important to me <laughs> i love all the work that you're doing i can't wait for uh, uh seeing more things in strix you uh as well as other projects that you've got going on oh yeah um i'm 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 super excited i got some stuff that's up in the works right now um, nothing has been finalized as of yet. It's all still very, very pre pre production um, outside of uh, Strixu right now. Um, so, you know, every now and then when I get like new updates on stuff that I'm doing or I'm working on something else, I like just post on Twitter because I never know what I'm going to be up to at any certain point in time, right. to be completely honest. It's just kind of as the opportunities come through to me. I snag them. So that's the good way to do it. Yep. Well, yeah. Well, how can how can people find out about what Sam with two M's is doing? Uh, 
at any given moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can absolutely follow me on Twitter, uh, you know, as long as that health site is still alive uh, at Lust That's usually my line. X. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, L-U-S-T-T-F-O-R-L-I-F-E-E-X. It's a mouthful. I know I'm not changing it now at this point because brand <laughs> consistency. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Twitter and also uh, Hive too when that gets back up and running. But uh, Twitter is mainly where you'll see me most active and most talking about the stuff that I'm up to and working on or will be on soon. Excellent. Good stuff. I, I, I was excited about Hive too, and then all of a sudden it stopped. So Just hopefully it gets yeah, back right? together. Because <laughs> uh, there was such a huge uh, amount of TRPG people that just kind of like just to get it. flee, like just mass yeah. flocked over to it. I was just like, "Yep, well, yep, I'm here for it." Let me go ahead and save my. <laughs> let me go ahead and snag my uh, my username now before somebody else tries to grab it. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Just go ahead and grab it. Right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, lust for life. Ex. Definitely, a, a tr- you were, you had just seen tres- train spotting when you came up with that. <laughs> uh, it's a song reference, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a song reference. Uh, love it. Yeah. Well, thanks for for coming on, uh, Sam. Loved it. I, I I can't wait to to see all this going, and I'm definitely inspired for for bringing more storytelling to uh, character building. Absolutely, can't wait Thank to y'all. see what uh, campaigns you run. Someday in the future. I appreciate y'all sitting here and letting me nerd out about stories. And <laughs> That's what we're I here can, for. I can sit here and talk about stories all day. I, so I, I really it. appreciate y'all. Uh, Shelly, Greg, thank y'all so, so much. Thank you. I've been talking about this nonstop to all my friends. I'm sure they're sick of me by now. So I'm like, I can't <laughs> wait. You guys. Yo, thanks for listening. I'm going to be on Dragon Talk. This is yeah. awesome. I'll give you the link when it comes out. So. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, awesome. Thank y'all so, so, so much. This was thank such you. a blast. Fun. I love hearing about how people approach characters so differently. And uh, I feel, again, inspired by our guest. Yes, I do think that Sam with two M's is going to uh, educate us all and teach us the ways of character arcs in D anD. I know it's just I just was so fascinated by that. I know, right? I really they really did came, come with me uh, in in the midst of that interview, being like, we don't ever really talk about where we want our characters to go non mechanically, right? It's not about like, oh, he's going to be. Uh, He'll learn this spell, or he's going to get that ability, or, or whatever. But no, it's like what what have they have learned? What have they what have they mastered? What have they uh, been able to um, uh, grow during the course of the storytelling? Which is what all good stories are about. Right. Exactly. So, so good. Very fun. Thanks for bringing us that, Sam. And you should check out everything they are doing because it looks fantastic. Tout. I am excited about what 2023 is going to bring for Dungeons & Dragons fans. We've got so many fun things we announced back at Wizards Presents, including a little scape known as Plane. <laughs> it's a Planescape. Um, as well as amazing other things like... Like what, Shelley? Uh, I don't... I, you know I get 
nervous. I know. That's why I can't throw it Stop. To you. No. I don't want to talk about these things. We'll be talking about them all in the next year. So get excited for it because there are more storytelling possibilities out there. Oh, there's definitely some some good ones. Uh, and we'll we'll even start talking about things next month. How about that? Yeah. It's How about a promise. That? January okay. 2023, you will learn things. You will learn things and you will love them. Love them. Love them. It has been great talking to so many of the D&D community here on this podcast, as well as on all the other podcasts that we guested on when we were talking to folks around Welcome to Dragon Talk. So thank you so much. It just feels uh, like a lot of love and we wouldn't be able to do what we do here without everyone who listens to this podcast, as well as everyone who plays Dungeons and Dragons and introduces it to their friend group and uh, or or family group, as the case may be. Absolutely, and or school or, group, or their or their classmates, or yeah. their um, sons' classmates, as the case may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, got okay. a couple other little kids that tried to use their Quinn connection to say, "Can I play Dungeons and Dragons in the club?" Wow. Like, they really no, try to get in. They You're not even on the wait list. Yeah, like, no. Sorry. Sorry. Also, like, they don't really have to be in the club to play D&D with us because we'll just play any time with them. But, right? That's I, the know. secret. We're yeah, just, just come fish on, here. Like, you're literally at my house four times a week. We could probably just play D&D anytime. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm into it. Excellent. <laughs> Can't wait to hear all about that in January as well as you start up that club. And again, thank you to everyone who is listening and has been with us for the seven plus years we've been doing this. Oh my goodness. You're all amazing and you deserve all of the love as well as every role from now on being a 20. Everyone gets actually. inspiration. How you about all that? get inspiration from us at Dragon Talk. And if they say... You can't, well, you send them to us. Well, you can. It totally counts. It totally counts. Yes. You can send them to me, at Greg Tito, on Twitter for now, and uh, Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Uh, You can find me at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. Yeah. And for our final Drunky Two Shoes installment for mm. this year. Oh, that's sad. You are hanging out in Drunky Two Shoes, the bar named after your character on the Radiant Citadel. You have just met your friend, the healer, uh, who is also a tabaxi, named Timothy, I believe. Is that right? Jonathan. Jonathan. I don't think that was the name I started with, but I don't we're know. Going I, with, like, we're going sudden, with Jonathan uh, yeah. as his name for now. You are about to uh, slug back uh, a drink of Drunky Two Shoes cocktail that the bartender has made for you. When behind you, you hear a bloop and a voice that's saying, "What is? What is? What's going on now?" And right in the same area where you appeared. Um, uh, earlier from the city of Waterdeep, another figure is now there. Outside? Outside. Okay. I, um, I've had a drink in front of me, so I'm not really paying attention to what's happening out there. You hear a voice say, what, 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 how, how is this possible? Uh, and then I go, Taurus, am I right? 
<laughs> and Jonathan says, I know, it really is ridiculous. He's about to be uh, <laughs> escorted to give his dues, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, he better. He better. We know that. Okay. Right. I'll like just kind of glance out the door. You make me I? a perception check with a glance. You're glancing here. Just a glance because I'm really preoccupied with my drink. Rolling. Oh, a 22. I am so perceptive. What? A 22? <laughs> I was like, I was like, hmm, unless she gets something really high, I won't tell her who it is. I'll leave it as a cliffhanger. Sorry, Tommy. But you did. Uh, all right, so you see, uh, you're kind of just glancing behind you, and you see two um, of the, not necessarily guards, but two people who are a little bit more uh, authoritative uh, on the Radiant Citadel uh, kind of go to this person and start escorting them to where they can uh, pay their entry fee, uh, their dues. For the Radiant Citadel, you don't know why they weren't there when you popped up. Yeah. You must have gone right into this bar and, and, and ducked out uh, and missed him then. But as you see them kind of uh, taking him away, he's reluctantly going with these two uh, gentlemen. Uh, you see a flash of uh, plate armor, uh, and you see a turned head kind of look in your direction, and you swear with the 22 that it is the face of Samson. Samson! He's there. I tell Jonathan, hold my drink. Actually, never mind. I'm taking it and I'm going to go run out the door. <laughs> okay. Uh, did you Have you drank the whole drink or is this... Uh, no, no. No. Okay. Still got, still sloshing around in my glass. All right. So you, you run out there and you uh, are able to get... They're not going so fast. So you're able to catch up if you're running at quite a clip. Make me a dexterity sleight of hand check to make sure you don't spill your drink as you're running. Oh, that would suck. 18. 18's pretty good. Okay, so yeah, you're like you're 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 going back and forth and actually there's a little little spillage here and there, but there's enough and you're able to mm, I'll lick it right of off my paws. Down, lick it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so you get up to them and you smell like alcohol and Duh. uh What do you do? Samson! Samson! Drunky, you're here? Yes, you're here. I uh, yes. What what happened? I have no idea. I just got zapped here. We were in the middle of that huge uh, fracas uh, in in Waterdeep. How how did you get here? I I don't know. All of a sudden, I just uh, was in the middle of, of fighting. I fell to my knees and was able to get back up. And then before I knew it, I was here. What? Where is I this mean, place? Where are we? I feel like you've been gone a while. Like I feel like I've been here a while. I don't know what is time anymore. I don't know, but is this is this Baldur's Gate? Where are we? No, we're uh, in the Radiant Citadel. It's like uh, a make believe place. A, a land of make believe. <laughs> Drunky doesn't pay attention when you tell her things. He like sniffs and says, "Have you been? Yes, drinking. <laughs> Come on, I want you to meet my friend Jonathan. But I, they're they're taking me away, and then they said, oh. you are, the guards say, well, you have to uh, uh, lodge a complaint with the speakers if you want to. We, we have to bring them. And they kind of like, Drunky, help me. And he's being like uh, escorted away. Ask for Shola. Uh, okay. Is that, a, is that the drink you were just having? No. Shola. <laughs> Shola. Shola, you know Shola. <laughs> Drunkies it comes out just like that buzz. as uh, drunky two shoes. And oh, you all uh, 
pick up this next year to find Woo! out what's going to happen. All right. Drunky's just building her little radiant citadel army up here. I love it. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. All right. Well, happy holidays, everyone. Happiest Every of New Year's. One. May you always be lifted up in the new year. Oh, that What's would that? be our, uh, our our Christmas carol. Would be our holiday carol. Yes. Us up where we belong. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.